Hi, this is Kim Shea. Welcome to Pivot and Thrive. I'm a certified retirement coach. Today is November 10th, 2021. It's Wednesday. And I'm getting to speak to someone today. I'm really very interested in what she has to say. And I think that whoever you are, wherever you are in your life, you'll find it interesting because it'll either apply to you or somebody that you know at some point. So let me tell you who she is. Her name is Marsha Moran. And she was a business plan writer for others for years, but then she founded her own consulting practice called Performance Architect in 2012, and she co-founded also Positive Business DC in 2012, but in 2014, she had a stroke, and it's been three and a half years since her, well, I have three and a half years since your stroke, but according to my math, we're a little bit off on that, so it's been quite a while (laughs) since you've had one, but you have a lot to tell us about your experience and what we can know for ourselves if we ever have the same problem or as caregivers for somebody that we love. So welcome to the podcast, Marsha. I'm happy to have you on. Thank you, Kim. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So tell us about you, your background before stroke. Who are you? You know, where'd you come from? So we live in Virginia and we have two cats and a bird. (laughs) That's an interesting pairing right there. <laughs> well, it used to be more. We had six birds at one time. So, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> the really? Cats, the cats had something to do with that? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> After that, that old Sylvester and Tweety thing going on there. No. Right. Um, so I lived a normal life, really. I worked with people on a daily basis. I typically went to their place of business. And I looked at what they did. Um, So I was actually a marketer. And I helped people reconfigure how they sold the people. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a lake house. And every weekend we went up there and chilled. (laughs) How nice. How nice. Yeah. Yeah. But I just had a normal life. So you weren't, you wouldn't be... Maybe what somebody might think is that somebody is super high stress. No, okay. not at all. So I have, um, I had, uh, my cholesterol was in the normal range. My blood pressure was normal. I mean, I had no symptoms. I ran three to four times a week. Wow. Okay. I was uh, a normal weight. So it was really a fluke. Wow. And so what happened? So I had a carotid artery dissection, which means it tore. Mm -hmm. And it happened while I was sleeping. So I woke up and I felt funny. And it was Sunday morning and I picked up my uh, phone to text my friend to tell her I wasn't coming for breakfast. And I couldn't read the text. I thought, well, that's kind of odd. So I put the phone down and I thought, I'll text her later. I rolled over and I got an immediate headache. And I'd say it was the worst headache I'd ever had. Wow. And despite the pain, I fell asleep. Mm. And the next time I woke up, I knew I was in real trouble because my right side was paralyzed. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So I think at that moment... I decided to live, so I rolled out of bed and dragged myself across the carpet. And 
when I got to the door, it was closed and I had to reach up and grab the handle and I couldn't quite reach it. Mm. So I finally got enough gumption and I reached the door knob and I snuck it open. But by that time I was <laughs> so tired, Wow, <laughs> hot and sweaty. <laughs> Gosh. Yep. So I, I took a short break. I think it was short. And I finally moved down the hall until I ran out of gas. Just there was nothing left. And it was Sunday. So my husband was at home and I knew he'd come up for something to drink. And I don't know what it was, but something went crash. And my husband said, Marsha, are you okay? And he came upstairs and he saw me laying on there on the floor and that's the point where I realized I couldn't talk. So he said, can you talk to me? <laughs> I said, no. Boy, how scary. Yeah. Um, so he called 911. And he wandered around and tried to figure out what happened. Well, of course, he didn't. I will tell you that neither one of us thought of the word stroke. Okay. So... We had no idea. And the paramedics came in about 10 minutes. And the first one that walked through the door said, when did the stroke happen? Mm. And he was flabbergasted. And I was, I guess I don't know what I was. I was kind of out of it by that point. Um, I actually lost consciousness in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. How old were you? 53. Well, you're young. Yeah, so 25% of people who have a stroke have it less than 65 years old. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. And do they tend to be people like you that are otherwise in really good health? No, it okay. kind of depends on where you are in life. Okay. So some people like me, so 1% to 2% of people have a carotid artery dissection like I had, which is really small. That one sounds kind of scary because um, you'll be able to correct me, but my understanding is there's basically the kind of stroke where you're bleeding and there's a kind of stroke where there's a clot. And when you're bleeding, right. it's pretty dangerous. There's a lot of things that can go wrong there. And so I'm, was there bleeding from that as you no. were moving around on the inside? No, no it actually created a clot and oh, okay. it went up into my brain. Um, so that's a, an ischemic stroke and that accounts for 83% of strokes. Okay. The other kind the hemorrhagic stroke is 17% of strokes. All right. I see. Yep. Okay. Um, so then what happened to you? <laughs> you went to the hospital and <laughs> your whole world changed. Yeah. So my husband drove to the hospital as well. And the paramedics told him not to speed, to obey every traffic rule they had. It's nice of them. <laughs> well, and my husband is actually quite grateful because he said that means that they were thinking about me too. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I would was worried I probably would have sped. Anyway. When I woke up in the hospital, they'd already run the tests on me. 
And I wore a hospital gown. I had a needle in my arm and my husband was in the room. And because my husband was there, I thought, okay, everything's going to be fine. So, and then I went back to sleep. So you were reassured by what appeared to be kind of control over the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, probably shouldn't have been so reassured. (laughs) (laughs) What happened next? So the next thing I remember is the physical therapist came to my bed and said we were going for a walk. And this is later the same day. And I did... I did have some movement, not much, but I had some movement on my right side. So she put a belt around me. It was about three inches wide. And she held me up and I walked around the nurse's station. (laughs) Now, if she wasn't holding me up, I would have fallen down. Yeah. But, um, and I made it back to bed and immediately went back to sleep. Mm. Yeah. Were you on medication that made you sleepy or were you just exhausted? No, I was, well, they had me on medication, but it didn't make me sleepy. I was just exhausted. Yeah. A lot of trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So was that your regular routine for a while? Getting up and doing physical therapy and in the hospital? No. So I was still in the ER. So the next day they sent me up to the real hospital and the nurse rolled me into my bedroom and took me to the bathroom. And this is when my husband realized that he needed to be my advocate because she set me down on the toilet and she went out to make my bed and I fell off the toilet. Oh my gosh, geez. (laughs) Yeah. And so I don't know if she was thinking she had so much to do or she wasn't thinking that here's a stroke patient. I need to be careful with her. Um, But my husband realized that he needed or a nurse needed to be in the hospital room, especially the bathroom with me at all Mm -hmm. times. Um, So the things I remember from the hospital is I remember the people would walk in, they'd say something, I'd understand what they'd say, they'd walk out, and I couldn't remember what they said. (laughs) Oh, how frustrating. So um, I also remember, so I was on a liquid diet. So 65% of people can't swallow when they've had a stroke. So they had me on a liquid diet. So I drank looking forward. Then I turned my head to the left and swallowed. And then I turned my head forward and I could drink. And I'm I'm talking small, small bits of juice or whatever. Um, And the hospital sent up a chicken dinner for me. Or actually, I think it was lunch. I was going, woohoo, chicken. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. And I took a bite and I, of course, I, I choked on it. And the problem with choking on it is I, my cough sensors weren't working. So oh. people didn't know that I was choking. 
So apparently someone took it out of my mouth and they chastised me because I was supposed to be on a liquid diet. Oh it's like, my gosh. I don't know. How would I, you? Like, you could tell me I'm supposed to be on a liquid diet, but you know, when you leave the room, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, this is those, fr- those are the, geez, this is frustrating to listen to. It's like you went to a hospital that was freshly opened and these people are on their first day of work and nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So, yeah. So your husband really needed to be there then to make he sure did. you survived this whole thing. There's a lot of things that could have gone wrong in those first couple of days that weren't just the stroke. I mean, you could have fallen and hit your head in the bathroom. You could have choked mm-hmm. to death on chicken. That's scary. So he wasn't really scared until the chicken thing. Oh, okay. And then he realized that I could have died. So I could have sent it down the wrong pipe and gotten pneumonia and mm. died. So anyway, he called my sister that night and asked if she would come because he needed some support. Mm-hmm. And she's a CPA. And it's, okay, so I had the stroke on March 30th. Oh, text him. <laughs> yeah, and she's a CPA, and she said, no problem. Oh, Wow, what a good sister. So she put her clients on extension, and she got her husband, and they came out for the weekend. And it was so important because he needed support. Mm. Yeah, that's really scary. It's a lot to take on. I mean, you're, you're both of yep. your worlds really turned in a day. Yep. Yeah. And so... How were you feeling at that point? Were you processing any of this? Like thinking, this is bad, My, it's going to be hard now to do what I do, or what were you thinking? I was probably not thinking much at that point. Okay. You know, I mean, I was thinking, <laughs> I was really thinking that I'd be up and around and running a 5K in about a year. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, even that, that's, that's good you were thinking that way, though. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what I remember thinking. It's like, okay, so this is a setback and okay, I'll be up and running and I'm sure I can do a 5k in about a year. Hmm. (laughs) That didn't work. Didn't work out. No. So I thought, okay, well, you know, year two, that's fine. Uh, No, that didn't work either. Uh. By the time year three rolled around, I just said, you know, that's okay. I think I'll go without. <laughs> mm. Okay, so you couldn't you couldn't run. It sounds like, but could you walk? Um, so I could. The answer is no. Okay. Um, initially, so I was in a wheelchair when they took me to the rehab center, mm-hmm. and there I got on a. Um, Well, I got up and I was walking with a cane when I did my physical therapy. And otherwise I was in the wheelchair. By the time I went home, I could walk with a cane okay, but they told me to always have it with me. Okay. Um, That didn't last too long because (laughs) I'm stubborn. Good for you. Good for you. (laughs) And so... um, 
I didn't use the cane much. Um, now, I had home health care for six weeks or eight weeks after I came home. And I wasn't allowed to leave the house during that time because insurance says that's a no-no. So after they left, my husband took me outside and we went around several blocks. Mm. And that was my rehab. And, um, yeah, so he would walk. And I would look down and think, okay, lift your leg, move it forward, set it down. Lift your leg, move oh. it forward, set it down. For a long time. How strange. And then when I could finally move it, I was still looking down, but it's like, okay, so your leg is moving. Now you just need to think of how to move your arm. So I'd think forward, back, forward, back for a long time. And then I finally started thinking, okay, how do you move your hand? So it was a process. Hmm. And so um, I think you mentioned in your notes that you feel that your business plan and marketing background was helpful to yeah. you in this, in this yeah. recovery process. Yeah. Because I could look at where I wanted to be. Okay. So I wasn't thinking this is where I am now and I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, next year I'm going to be, when a marathon, well, <laughs> I wasn't, but, but it kept me going. It's, it, it kept me thinking, okay, you have to work out because if you're going to run a marathon, your legs got to move, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And if you're running a marathon, your arm has got to move, right? Yeah. Yep. Did you ever feel depression or feeling like I can't do this anymore? You get discouraged? No. Really? That's no. wonderful. Amazing. I think I may have been discouraged on a, I'm going to say infrequent basis, Okay. but I kept going anyway, because to not do workout is, it means giving up mm-hmm. and I'm not a person to give up. It's very admirable. Yeah. yeah. Um, you had a problem with your speech, right? For a long time? Yeah. Yep. So aphasia is a speech disorder, or actually a language disorder. And 40% of stroke survivors have aphasia. And according to the uh, National Aphasia Association, if you aren't cured by the third month, you probably have it for life. Mm. So I had it for three and a half years. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Clearly that statistic isn't necessarily accurate then. <laughs> that, it wasn't for thankfully, me. Thankfully, thankfully. Yep. So I had, so I had my stroke here, which is right be, hot, be, uh, in front of my left ear. Okay. And that, that's Broca's area. And that means that I could understand what people were saying. But when I tried to communicate back, I I understood exactly what I wanted to say, but nothing came out of my mouth. Mm. Okay. Okay. So you weren't mixing up words. They just weren't coming. No words were coming. Is that what you're saying? No words were coming. Okay. So if you have uh, Wernicke's aphasia, which is just behind the left ear, that means that you are fluent, but you're fluent and nobody understands you because what you say is gibberish. All right. Right. 
Yeah. So I could understand. And it was like, there were two people in my mind. So there's the person who had something to say and couldn't say it. So they said, okay, well, think of something like it that you can say. So it's like, okay. So I could eventually say things like, um, hi, how are you? The weather's nice, this kind of thing, right? Um, to people I knew. If you were someone I didn't know, probably I wouldn't say much, if anything. And if I was on the phone, say I was on the phone and I had a phone interview, I could say nothing. Interesting. Literally, I, I'd say, hi, how are you? We, they'd ask me a question, I'd clam up. And the reason is, I think, is that interview questions go much deeper than speaking at a conversational level. Okay. And I just couldn't do it. Mm. How frustrating. Yeah. At um, three and a half years, my chiropractor suggested I try neurofeedback. And I say, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, you can count me in there. What is it exactly? (laughs) So um, neurofeedback uh, is a small machine that's about the size of uh, two smartphones. And it pulses small bits of energy into your brain. Um, through electrodes, which are um, like an EEG has electrodes, right? And so the small amount of electricity I'm talking about is one one hundredth of a AAA battery. Oh, wow. Very small. small. Yeah. Really small. And so he said, you should really try this neurofeedback. I think it would do you some good. And I went, okay. So what is it? So he sent me home with a URL. And I looked it up and I said, this is interesting. It says it treats all of these things like ADHD, anxiety, things like that. Huh. It also says that it treats traumatic brain injury survivors. And the thing I remembered from that is that it said that 85% of TBI survivors got better when they used Wow, that's an impressive number. It is. I thought, I've got to at least try it. Yeah, sure. Right. Okay. So I went in, and for the first time, he's going, okay, we're going to put this, I like to call it cat spit, because <laughs> it's wet and sticking, kind of clumpy, oh, huh. <laughs> in your hair. And that's how he uh, puts the ECG electrodes on right he turned it on i'm going i don't feel anything is this really working but you could see my brain waves going across the monitor it's like okay i went home and i realized i could talk better in one session in one session wow oh how thrilling in 16 sessions, I speak like I do now. Really? Oh, that's so inspiring. Really? Yep. 
You must have been thrilled. Yes. And your husband must have been thrilled. <laughs> I'm delighted. Now, I will admit that I've been back for a couple of uh, sessions between there. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, I'm so impressed. Wow. And so um, my chiropractor is the only one in Virginia with this neurofeedback machine. Really? And there are others. So um, this is a non-operative neurofeedback machine, which means that you sit there and you do nothing. Okay. There are operative machines, and I don't, I've never used one. I don't know what they're like. Mm. But you sit here and do absolutely nothing. So it's kind of relaxing while you're doing it? Or, or I don't not? Know. No? You like, okay. Not what you expected, yeah. sounds like. Yeah. 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 Do you know if insurance covers this? I'm guessing not. I'm guessing this is out of pocket. I Absolutely not. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But worth it, sounds like. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. So it took um, 16 sessions, and I can talk normally now. Wow. And so great. I mean, to have that back in my life, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a gift worth buying. That's really neat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then you mentioned in your notes something about Toastmasters. Where did that fall into place in your history? So a friend of mine suggested I join Toastmasters, and... It was October 2016, so I had the stroke um, not quite two years before, and I was not speaking well. And I went to a Toastmasters meeting. It was awesome. Mm. The people were friendly. Um, It was a nice vibe. So I joined. And I didn't do my icebreaker, which is the first speech. I chose not to do that for seven months. Mm. And finally, my friend said, it's time to do it. Come on, <laughs> just get up. And I went, but I don't know if I'll say anything. <laughs> she said, just give it a try. So I came home and I wrote my speech and tried it out. And it was too long. Mm. So I cut it, tried it out too long. So I cut it again. It was perfect. And I practiced. You would, would not believe how long I practiced. Okay. <laughs> That's great. Got up that morning, practiced it three more times. I could say it. I could really say it. It's like, woohoo. I went in to the meeting the first speaker got up and I was practicing it again. So I don't know what she said. <laughs> um, she sat down, they called my name. My heart was pounding, right? Went up and I put up a slideshow just in case I didn't say anything. Right. And uh, looked out the room and I started. I said, said the first sentence. I like, woohoo, mm-hmm. nothing's going to stop me. Yeah, I couldn't say the second sentence. Oh. <laughs> oh. I tried six times. 
And I got through it the sixth time and I actually finished the speech. I sat oh. down and I felt so proud. Oh, not that I had a great speech, <laughs> but I actually finished it. It's like I achieved something. Yeah. Yes. Huge. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And everyone there knew what your background was, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure everyone was thrilled for you. Yeah, they That's, were so kind. That is so exciting. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Toastmasters so, is good. Yeah. So eventually, I became an area director. Oh, I I read that. That's amazing. Yeah. So it was really good. It was a good organization for you. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. And are you still with Toastmasters? I am. Oh. Uh, when I was area director, I was a member of seven clubs, I think. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm down to one now. Okay. I was going to say, you ever home? That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. It is a really good organization. It really helps a lot of people yeah. get over their speaking issues and yours has just got to be one of their greatest success stories. It's really awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's neat. So then, um, when did you start writing? You, you've written a book called Stroke Forward. When did you start doing that? So I wrote Stroke Forward. I started it the first year, the, on the first anniversary of my stroke. Oh, okay. So oh, before all this other stuff happened. That's amazing. Yep. yep. And I didn't type very fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could type about uh, two paragraphs a day. Um, So aphasia not only affected my ability to speak, but it also impacted my ability to write. Oh, that's interesting. So I would sit there and I'd be thinking of a word. And I'd come up with something. So I'd type it into my laptop and work. Um, I essentially thesaurus.com was my friend. Mm. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. So it took a long time, but I finally, I finally finished it and then I read it and I went, well, this is awful. Nobody's oh. ever going to read this. <laughs> oh. So I wrote it without emotion I and see. So you have to understand that you don't, well, I didn't feel emotions. So when we drive up to the lake, it used to be I'd see the lake and I'd just have this vision and feeling of joy. And we'd go up to the lake after I had my stroke and it's like, uh-huh. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Um, So I read it and it's like, this is baloney. (laughs) No one's ever going to read this. So I set it aside and I picked it up about six months later and I rewrote it. And when I was done, I went, okay, this is a lot better. Except when I write about my family, I have no emotion in it. So I said, okay, I'm going to put it down again. And when I picked it up the last time, I bared everything. It's like, okay, this is 
about my family. So it's got to be how I feel. Mm. And so I, I wrote it and I sent it to everybody because they have to sign off on it. If they don't sign off on it. Oh, everybody you mentioned. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And everybody said, yes, Oh, they liked it. That's so great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so how long did it take you then to, once you started it, how long did it take you to complete the book? It took me four and a half years to write and publish it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of patience there. <laughs> it's great you yeah. persevered with it. Yeah, so in the end, it's like I'm either going to put it out this year, this is the third time I was editing it, or I'm just going to put it aside. And so mm-hmm. I'm not going to put it aside because for one thing, it's got no feedback in there. And if other people don't know about neurofeedback, then they're not going to try it. Mm. Well, yeah, because it's so inspiring, what it did for you. Right. And so if I'm someone who's, I'm going to say normal, and it can impact people as much as it impacted me, then of course I want to get it out there. Yeah. This worked. Wow. That's pretty neat. Um, you mentioned neuroplasticity in your notes. Does that have to do with this too, or is that a different matter? So neuroplasticity means that, okay, so I, I just had a stroke, and I can either try to get better like I did, or I could say, oh, I'm done. This is it. So you get neuroplasticity when you do something over and over and over again, and it builds a connection. Okay. And every time you do something, it makes a connection even stronger. And over time, it becomes natural to do those things again. I see. That's what neurofeedback is. Okay. All right. Yep. Um. You also had you know something about holistic and functional medicine doctors. Did you use anybody like that? That yep. hasn't come out yet. So the holistic doctors. So I went through everything the neurologist told me to do, right? And after I left the hospital, I actually found that I didn't really like my neurologist, so I found another one, mm-hmm. and. So they did the best that they could do, and I was still not as functional as I'd like to be. So I started seeing um, chiropractors, which the neurologist would say, shame on me. (laughs) But the first neurologist did something called um, laser treatment, and he did laser treatment on my head, and that was to try to get me around my aphasia and I would say that it did um, a 40% job so I would oh. I would get better mm-hmm. but it wasn't it didn't take me all the way okay so it got me to the point where I could speak conversationally right mm-hmm. and um, 
then I went to uh, a chiropractor who I saw for chiropractic. And he was different from normal chiropractors. So he'd not crack my back, but he'd touch trigger points on me. Mm -hmm. And by that, he would able, was able to release the tension and get my bones back in order. Mm -hmm. It was really weird. I've never seen anyone do it other than him. Mm. And then the third doctor, the third chiropractor, is um, Dr. Fuller. And he is, so he treated me for, um, <laughs> I have, I'm, I'm allergic or sensitive to 50 different things. Oh, wow. So he said, and I didn't know this. So he said, why don't we treat you for this and see if you're allergic to anything? So he took my blood and he tested me and said, you're crazy. I'm not sensitive to 50 different things. They said, I think you are. <laughs> I said, great. So what do I try? And he said, you can eat anything that's not on this list. I went, <laughs> long list. Okay. Yeah. So it took me two hours at Trader Joe's before I found something I oh, could eat. Man. Yeah. Um, but he's also the one that did neurofeedback. Okay. So these people who look outside of, I'm going to say, the normal realm of what they're supposed to do mm -hmm. and go, huh, I think, I think I'm going to see if this works. And so they, Dr. Fuller actually tries these treatments on himself. Oh, that's reassuring. And if he likes it, so first of all, he, he researches it first and he tries it on himself. And if he likes it, he'll bring it in and he'll try it out on, in his practice. And I find that it's really comforting to know that there's someone out there looking at new stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there's a lot that we still don't know. So it's nice to see someone right. who's willing to... Check if only, I mean, just for someone like you, who's really not where you want to be. So why not see if there's a way to help you? Right. That's so neurofeedback has been around for 18 years or more. Mm. Okay. And I didn't know about it. Nobody knows about it. Mm -hmm. Something has got to be done. <laughs> yeah. Because it could help a lot of people. So traumatic brain yeah. injury is not just stroke. There's That right. includes concussions and other head injuries, right? Exactly. Wow. Well, it's good you're writing about it and speaking about it. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So um, clearly you benefited from being determined to go forward and keep pushing and exploring and you know, yeah. never giving up. Um, what about caregivers? So let's say I'm the caregiver for somebody like this. What do I need to know if I have a partner or a friend who seems to be having a stroke? What do I do? And then how do I be supportive down the line? Okay. So you can maybe remember be fast. Be fast. So be fast. Okay. Yeah. So B is B stands for balance. So are they 
balancing or not. E is for eyes. Are they having a problem with one or both eyes? F is for face. So is it drooping, right? A is for arm. I also say it's for legs. But um, so if you can't reach your arm up or both of them up, you know that there's possibly a stroke happening. Okay. Um, S is for speech. Are they slurring? And T is for time. Call the time to call nine one one. Okay. So if there's even okay. one of those symptoms. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so um, I had a drooping face and I couldn't speak. All right. So a classic case. And then um, I couldn't eventually move my arm. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so your husband did the right so, thing. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So I think if he'd been at work, I would not have survived. Mm. Yeah, hard to. Yeah. Even go there, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that if you are a caregiver, obviously you should be in the hospital supervising what's going on. Okay. Right? Um, but afterwards, or even while you're with them in the hospital, you need to take t- some time for yourself because – you're in it for the long term. Mm-hmm. So you have to eat right. You have to exercise. You need to take some time to just, if it's an hour even, just to be by yourself. You need to go do that. Okay. Because you also have a life mm-hmm. and you can't be there 100% for your stroke survivors. You have to find balance. Yeah. It's nice that you have that perspective because usually it's right. other caregivers saying that. I don't very often hear the person who needed the care advocating for the caregiver. So that's really nice to hear right. that you understood right. that that was valuable. Well, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my husband mm-hmm. and the other people around who cared. So I would be pretty mean to say oh no oh no you can't have any time for yourself yeah but sometimes people do you know they just feel needy and they just feel like they can't let the other person go or they're frightened to be on their own or whatever so it's nice that you recognize that yeah and i think the fear is real for people i really do Mm -hmm. oh yeah and i i also learned that The more fearful I am of doing something means that I have to try it. Wow. So I was I was afraid of driving again, mm-hmm. but I still did it. Good for you. Really? I was afraid of driving for three years, but I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I drove for those three years, but it took a long time to get used to it. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Um. That's that's great that you pushed yourself, though, too, because you could see that could also be a thing where you'd say, well, I had a stroke and everything could go wrong again and it's yep. too scary and I've been through right. enough already. So that's understandable, yeah. but that's great that that wasn't the direction that you took. It's very inspiring. Yeah. Well, you know, people worry about whether or not they're going to have another stroke if they've had one. Mm, okay. Yeah. And... I'm going to tell you that 
I can stay at home and worry that I'm going to have the stroke or I'm going to go out and do stuff. If I'm going to have another stroke, I'm going to have it anyway. Mm. I may as well enjoy my life as much as I can. It's a great attitude. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're really very inspiring. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I am now a, so I'm now a life and health coach. Ah, that's very cool. For, for stroke survivors and their caregivers. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Perfect fit. Yeah. So my husband has been telling me, <laughs> you need to find a job. <laughs> <laughs> just not only for needing employment, but also just needing something to do. And I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but I went to the um, Health and Life Coach Institute. I think it's called the, uh, the Health Coach Institute. And I realized that this really is something that I want. Nice. Okay, so I'll have the link for that in the show notes if you're listening. So we'll have the Health Coach Institute link there and also um, – Marsha's book, which is Stroke Forward, we'll have a link for that too. And then you're in one more book you said just came out. Yes, uh, say say yes to life. Just say yes to stories, life. stories of thriving after stroke. That's and twenty six people, survivors, twenty six survivors. Yes, yep. that's that sounds very inspiring. Um, so we'll have the link for that too, so people can read that. And as I said in the beginning, I mean. If, you know, maybe you're listening and you haven't had a stroke, but chances are you know somebody who has, or you will get to that point in your life. So it's important to know how to take care and be supportive of somebody who's gone through yeah. what Marsha's gone through. And, and also um, from your perspective too, from the stroke survivor's perspective, how to move forward on this and how to keep pursuing it. Even if somebody tells you, you have three months to correct your aphasia, and maybe you're outside the realm of, of the normal healing phase, but you took much longer than that, but you still did mm -hmm. it. You still got there and you found a really unique way to do it. So you have to keep pushing. And as you said, your husband was your advocate, but you were your own advocate too, where you were pushing mm -hmm. to find something new. So that's an yeah. important takeaway. I think that you have to be pushing yeah. for yourself. You can't just give up and you can't just roll over. Exactly true. Yeah. So. Well, I wish you all the best in what you're doing. And I think you've got to be an amazing coach because you walk in the walk and talk in the talk and you have all this behind you to really encourage people. If people feel like they can't do it, you're the best example right there. Of, oh, yes, you can because yeah. I did it. Yeah. So stop whining and let's get going. There you go. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'd like to thank you for your time, Marsha. And thank you very much, Kim. Everything that, that she's talked about here we'll have in the show notes so you can follow her. But definitely consider getting yourself a copy of Stroke Forward because she's got a lot of information in there that you will at some point find valuable, even if it wasn't what you needed today. It will come in handy at some point in time. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pivot and Thrive. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you know anybody who you think would be a great subject for this podcast, please have them contact me. They can go to my website, retirementpurposecoach.com.
com. And at the bottom of that front page, there is a contact section and they can just reach me right there. I'd love to hear from them. I am a certified retirement coach. So if you need any help from me with your retirement so that you have your own success story, you can contact me there as well. I'd like to thank Bokuwa and Wizzy2k for the use of their song, Will You Stay With Me? I have the link to that song in the show notes. Have an excellent rest of your day, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope it's purposeful. You'll enjoy your life so much better if that's your focus. Bye for now.